Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Welcome once again, my friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I welcome you. I also welcome you on behalf of one of my best friends, Elder David Wise. He pastors Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church near Ackerman, Mississippi, at 11 Staten Road, Ackerman. And I have the blessed privilege of pastoring Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church at 40283 Wolf Road, just outside of the wonderful little town of Caledonia, Mississippi. We invite you to come and visit our churches 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning. We also meet together uh, off-site at the La Quinta Inn Conference Room in Starkville, Mississippi. Very easy to find. There at that conference room, 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening, we worship. And we want you to come and join us. Now, if you can't join us in person, which is our preference, we also can be found on Facebook Live. So if you'll go to the Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page, hit like, Activate the notifications, and it will let you know whenever we start our live broadcast of worship, 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning and 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening. Also go to the website, gospel-of-grace.com. We want you to go there and contact us. Let us know that you're listening. And uh, we certainly would appreciate any questions, inquiries. It's a wonderful site with many resources. We also encourage you to download for either an Apple or uh, a Samsung, or I should say, a Android device, free of charge, the Grace Alone Radio Internet app. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week of primitive Baptist broadcasting of messages, Bible readings, songs, programming. You'll greatly enjoy it. Today we have you a message titled Full Assurance. And right after this wonderful hymn, we'll be right back, Lord willing, with today's message.
so much for staying tuned here with us at the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. Listening friends, today on the Gospel of Grace broadcast, I want to explore a little bit about assurance. What is assurance? Well, it's a positive declaration intended to give confidence. What's an example? It's like a bank statement in your hand pointing you confidently to the real treasure that's inside the vault that belongs to you. When speaking of gospel assurance, obviously it gives confidence of salvation in Jesus Christ. Now note, listening friends, that you can have no confidence in something that is not sure, established, and steadfast. You see, assurance doesn't obtain eternal life for you. Rather, it points you to the established fact that Christ has died for all the sins of all the elect of God. It assures you that salvation is already an established fact. The New Testament includes the phrase full assurance in three places in the King James translation. First, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 14 through 22. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Faith in Jesus Christ as the only hope for salvation gives a full assurance. Apparently, the Apostle Paul wanted us to know that a belief in the finished work of the Lord in salvation is all that we need to abound in assurance. Thank God we are not in the darkness and the toils of the Old Testament times when the law of Moses demanded a litany of sacrifices, observances, offices, and statutes to follow to try to draw closer to the Lord in safety and comfort. There was very little comfort and assurance at that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul taught that the glory of the Old Testament paled in comparison to that of the New Testament church. Yes, child of God, the Lord has provided a full assurance today. In that, you can have full confidence that Jesus has bought you with his blood and sacrifice. Many will teach, though, that faith, that faith which gives us this full assurance under consideration, is what is necessary to actually secure all of the blessings of redemption and salvation from our sins. That's just not so. Faith can only come after the new birth of the Spirit, not before. I repeat that. Faith can only come after the new birth by the Spirit of God. It cannot come before. To say that faith is necessary to secure new life in Christ is like claiming that a baby has to cry to become born or that a light beam creates the flashlight from which it comes or that a train whistle scream creates the train that barrels down the tracks. 
This is more obvious when we examine this passage regarding the full assurance of faith. Now, way before we came to verse 22, where it speaks of our full assurance of faith, there was verse 19. And I read, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Notice, please, that that verse starts with having. He said, he wrote, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That means that something is already had upon which this verse is predicated. Well, what is that? What exactly is already had? Boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Paul started the description of those who possess a full assurance of faith by writing that they already possess confidence or boldness to address the Almighty because they are already possessors of the blood of Christ. Such an inconceivably great thing to have. Amen. In verse 20, he goes further still. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Notice that, a new and living way. In the Old Testament law, there had to be death after death after death, all resulting in what? Just more death. None of those sacrifices ever brought life. To the contrary, though, those who have faith in Christ have one who died for them, but then raised again to everlasting life, you see. Yes, friends, Christ is yet alive and at the right hand of our Father, making intercession for us our new and living way. In other words, he lives for you right now. Some believe his death was for you, but you can only have the life by keeping some condition on your part. No, if you have faith, you already have the life that he possesses seated at the right hand of his father. Faith does not give assurance of a debt, but of something already possessed. A belief through faith in Jesus as Savior does not give you that life, but assures you that the one of whom it was written in Revelation 1.18, it said of Jesus, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. See, faith gives you assurance that he already lives, and he lives for you. Brother Paul didn't stop there, believer in Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 21, we read, And having, there's that word having again, having an high priest over the house of God. See, another having in this verse, another predicating benefit that the faithful already possess, a high priest, not just a priest. I mean, there were any, at any given time in the Old Testament law service, temple service, there were many priests who did the basic services and sacrifices. However, there was only one high priest at any given time, according to law. He was significant. He was distinct. It was him alone who had been vested with the authority from God to represent the entirety of Israel on the Day of Atonement, especially. They, they didn't have to give the high priest permission to represent them because Jehovah had already given him all the permission he needed. My friends, Jesus is the priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, the only high priest who could ever represent us before the Father's glorious presence. Believe me now, kindred, when I tell you that if you uh, have come to faith in Christ, you didn't do it to obtain that rep representation before the Father. See, you already possessed it. Considering all those predicating benefits, now 
let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Being fully saved for heaven is the assurance. Mind you, I'm not saying insurance, okay? Faith is not insurance, it is assurance. And it gives you assurance that heaven will be your home. Yes, you may think, well, I rejoice that I've been saved for heaven by Jesus' blood and assured of it by faith. That's true, but I'm not in heaven yet. And my life is so hard at times. You know, you're exactly right. Friends, this life is hard. Hard words, hard times, hard feelings, dreadful news, gloom, despair, and agony on me. I mean, we see it all over. We need to feel assured that Jesus is present with us here, right? Not just after a while, but here on this earth. We need some present day right now while the clock ticks assurances that there is a heaven and that its power can wash over us right now. For that, we go to Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the, notice this, full assurance of understanding. Full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Here Paul taught of a full assurance of understanding. What is that? Well, we know by now what full assurance means. I mean, it, it means that having it is as sufficient of a saving experience as we can expect to have this side of Jordan, so to speak. How does understanding give us that? What understanding is actually under consideration? Briefly, the understanding written of here means to literally put the pieces together as regarding knowledge, to see a full picture. See, spiritual understanding is what is under consideration here. Being able to see and know God's manifest workings that are all around us, friends. Referring to this, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 through 12, he wrote, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. You see what Paul's saying there? They couldn't put it together. They didn't have the ability. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. And what did he say that spirit will do? He went on, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. If you have a desire to know more about the Lord and his glory, obviously it took the spirit birth to give it to you, according to that passage. Now, that now that you have that desire to take the yoke of Christ upon you in service, what do you need to do? Well, you need to learn. Matthew eleven twenty nine through 30. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest under your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Unfortunately, far, far too many of God's children trudge ignorantly through this world, 
constantly filled with anxiety and despair. If your gaze doesn't get any higher than the White House, Wall Street, or Disney World, my friends, that's understandable. That's the result you're going to get. Drudgery, despair, and grief. However, when yoked with your Savior, ever laboring in joy and study, your perspective obtains a heavenly focus. It is then that this confusing world finally starts to make some sense. For example, scientific notions of origin and evolution, macroevolution, they'll always leave you hollow, kindred. After all, if we are mere beasts surviving until we perish and then ceasing to exist, what sense could be had of our existence? There's no purpose in it. Certainly nothing enduring. Here today and then gone, no more. Dead all over like old dog Rover. But see, a better biblical worldview will answer such questions for you that we are created after God's image to glorify and serve him. Now, that makes sense, doesn't it? Well, why another, why is mankind so evil? Now, having asked that, is there even such a thing as evil? Again, I ask you, it, can there be such a thing as evil outside of the understanding of God's word? If we are involved in a game of survival of the fittest, and establishing our dominance as the end game, then how could any means to that end actually be considered immoral? Have you thought about that? By that mindset, there's no such thing as murder, rape, or theft. Those are all just means of advancement. Perish the thought, my friends. But a worldview immersed in Jesus Christ will give you understanding. It will constrain you to see that evil exists through man's rebellion against his maker, and that a concrete, I said concrete, real, Standard of righteousness must exist in this universe. The unchangeable I am is that standard. I mean, is it merely imagination that a transcendent view of good and evil exists in the consciences of men? No, they were created in that way to reflect their maker, our maker, the great I am. You see, it makes sense. What should our attitude toward government be? That's a good example. It seems that the more we grow government, the more wretched it becomes. Well, why is there inherent value in all life, contrary to the evil of man that thinks human life is disposable? Why is the world growing more violent and crazy the more we are removed from the biblical concept of the nuclear Christian family? If wealth and higher learning can bring us to a higher plane of existence and harmony, why is it that in an age of unparalleled affluence and information. We seem to be more stupid, vain, and violent. Well, listening friends, the more you read the Bible and sit under sound gospel preaching, the more those pieces start to fit. Increased knowledge truly gives us increased confidence that the Lord who told us of all these issues also has the answer to all these problems. The world is trying to figure it all out, but they're all blind leaders of the blind. The Lord has always known the answers. In whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Now, speaking of hope, I close today with a third reference to full assurance found in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. And I read, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the, notice this, full assurance of hope. Hope unto the end. Hope gives us a full assurance too. Assurance of what? Well, 
we've covered that faith gives us a full assurance that heaven awaits us. You know, spiritual understanding or the full assurance of understanding assures us fully that the Lord who knows all things is also able to save us to the utmost. So how does hope give us a full assurance? Friends, hope is an anticipation of good things that are yet to come, things not yet seen nor sensed by natural human faculties. It is distinctly different from a wish, which can, and most often does, if we'll be honest with ourselves, have absolutely no realistic basis upon which you can rely upon its fulfillment. A wish is like a lottery ticket, but the Holy Spirit within us gives us a hope. How can hope be more than a wish if it is based upon something that can't be seen, weighed, measured, handled, or drawn? I mean, Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 8, he said, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But yet something within us still leads us to the conclusion that this world's not our home and that all the promises of God are real, believing friend. Such a mystery, but a very real uh, entity all the same. Why have Christians doggedly, all the while humbly, gone to the stake to be burned for their faith? Why did the gospel of the resurrected Christ spread vigorously like a fire across the globe? How does that ancient religion still exist today? Despite its adherence throughout history being the poorest and the meekest of the earth. It's called hope a hunger to see Christ return to carry us to glory. Abraham had the mysterious yearning. According to Romans 4.18, it said, who against hope believed in hope. There was just something in him that compelled him to look for a better city. All the high education afforded the apostle Paul in his life never could destroy that hope that was implanted within him on that road to Damascus when he was born again. As he testified before Felix in Acts chapter 24, verses 14 through 15, but this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. Oh, people laughed him to scorn about the hope of the resurrection, about the hope of the second return of Jesus Christ. Oh, friends, but it was so real to him that it compelled him. He had not yet seen it with his own natural eyes. He'd not seen it, but yet he still believed in it and held to it. That mysterious hope gave him the drive and strength to be whipped, imprisoned, mocked, and finally martyred by an ancient, uh, e ancient evil Roman government. What kind of power has compelled so many faithful Christian believers, despite all the rigor and pain involved in their discipleship, to advance their Savior continually? Well, Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. You see, kind friends, hope in Christ, though mysterious, 
gives its possessors a confident assurance that the glory behind the veil in heaven belongs to them. He went on writing to the Hebrews of it in Hebrews 6, 17 through 20, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. And I'll give you my own note on this, that two immutable things I believe he just mentioned, the counsel of God and the oath of God. Now we read it again, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made in high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Yes, while the world scoffs at us as clinging to imaginary myths, yet we believers feel the pleasant tension of the pull of hope leading us toward heaven, drawing our gaze upward as being more real than the very air that we breathe. Amen. Yes, sir. That is assurance because it is of the Holy Ghost and not of man. See, Romans 15, 13 reads, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Dear listeners, if you feel shaken and wearied in your mind, avail yourselves of these means of full assurance. Until I'm blessed again to speak to you of such noble and sacred subjects, may the Lord's special blessings be yours. We love you and God bless. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus.